0: I am glad you are here today. Uh, it's a gorgeous day outside, and you could be a whole bunch of places, uh, but you're not. You're here, you're in one place, and uh, I thank God that you are. <clears throat> we are starting a new message series, as you can see, God Speaks, and throughout the series we're going to focus on the minor prophets. You may say, what does he why do we care what the minors are doing, right? Like, let's, let's focus on the majors, right? We would say that. But, <clears throat> you have to, well, you don't have to forgive my voice, but I'll ask you forgive my voice, it, it's, uh, my wife is very generous, and uh, she has shared with me, <clears throat> maybe we shouldn't have been kissing, or something, I don't know, I don't know, but uh, no, I'm going to do that anyway, so uh, I'll just have to go with it, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, the minor prophets, they're minor because they're short, and can I get an amen for those of you who like short books in the Bible, right, amen, amen, so we, we like short books, and that's what the minor prophets are. And they're also, they, they may connect with some of you because they, they speak in a different, a different voice, right? Um, that picture that's on the cover of the bulletin, uh, the little graphic that we're, you're going to see a lot of, uh, that's a, a voice print of my voice saying, I love you, right? Uh, yeah, oh, I'm going to give it to my wife. Uh, I have to make it into something and, and give it to her. But, but if you said, I love you, or when you said, it would look different, right? Because we have different voices, that's the same thing we're going to hear in these prophets as we look through the first six, so for the next five weeks, uh, we're going to study these prophets, uh, and you're going to hear a similar theme, because it's God's voice, it's God speaking through these prophets, and the message is pretty consistent throughout all of scripture, it's that I love you, right? That's the word of God, Is I love you, that's what the scriptures teach us, is that he loves us, and, and so that is, that's what you're going to hear again and again and again. And you're going to see how he communicates that in different ways through different people uh, throughout the series. So uh, uh, next week, we're going to look at the book of Amos. So we're not going through these in exact order. We are going to look at the first six. So this is the last 12 books of the Old Testament. The first six of those, of that last 12, are the ones we're going to go through between now and Christmas. And next week, it is Amos. You've probably never read Amos. Most of you probably didn't even know there was a book in the Bible called Amos, Uh, And uh, unless you... If you're like me and you, you did one of those read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year things and it took you four years uh, and, it, and it, somewhere along the way you got to Amos, uh, then you know there is a book there and you probably read it. But other than that, nobody else has ever read it, uh, pretty sure, maybe I'm wrong. But I would ask you over the next week to read it and ask God to kind of give you some questions, like to make you uncomfortable with some things that he says in there, like, like would God really do that? Uh, let, him, let him disturb you a little bit and then bring those issues back. To us next week, like let God stir in you a little bit, and you come back, and then we can seek for some resolution from God next week, and as we worship together and study the Book of Amos. But today is the Book of Hosea, one you've probably heard of, one that's uh, somewhat expected. Uh, the Book of Hosea. I'll say that. Hey, Brad, I don't know that my uh, my my remote is working. Maybe. Yeah, it doesn't like me though. Yeah, amen. Amen. Some of you already start to see get a hand clap. If <clears throat> you don't know how to get a hand clap, you just say, alright. Um, that's alright. I'll I'll figure it out here. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, there we go. I don't know. That's where I'm supposed to be. <coughs> Hosea. We're only going to look in the first three chapters of the book of Hosea today. Why only three? Because you've got soup? No. Because uh, the, uh, one thing you'll notice in the in the, prof- the prophets as they write, they write in uh, rhythm, poetry, a lot of it. And any of you who know poetry, which I don't because I still call them poems, uh, the, the, you know they kind of repeat themselves. They kind of, because it's art, it's kind of musically presented. So it's, it's they are repetitive, but they say it in ways that are powerful all the same. For instance, in, in chapter 2 verses 19 to 23, he reads He wrote this way in the New Living Translation. I will make you my wife forever, showing your righteousness, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. In that day I will answer, says the Lord, I will answer the sky as it pleads for the clouds, and the sky will answer the earth with rain. Then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain, the grapevines, and the olive trees, and they will answer Jezreel, which means God plants. At that time, I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them up for myself. I will show love to those I called not loved and to those I called not my people I will say, "Now you are my people," and they will reply, "You are our God." Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a love story. Crazy love story. It's Hosea. Would you pray with me, God? We thank you for the story of Hosea and his bride, and you and your people. Use your word today, Lord. Encourage us. Challenge. So I have a cousin named Charlotte. She's a few years older than I am. She has a son who's just a little younger than me. We were in school together in high school. He was in junior high, Was what we called it back then, you know. Uh, so when he, he, he was a pretty good athlete, and he played sports that I didn't play. Uh, he played baseball. And during baseball season, I was on the track team. Rather, I was, I was hanging out with the track team. Uh, I kind of, you know, it was... Yeah, they wouldn't call me on the track team, you know what I mean? Uh, my, my name, my, my picture may be in the yearbook, but that's about it. Um, you can, I can remember, now Charlotte, she had an unmistakable voice. It wasn't like this. It was very, it was it was somewhat high-pitched, but it was powerful, right? She had one of those voices that you know, it might even break glass, you know what I mean? It was just, she had an unmistakable voice. You could hear her over everyone, over everyone. And so in the springtime, when it was baseball season, Robbie, my cousin, my younger cousin, he was, uh, playing, he was a baseball player, and uh, I rem- I'll never forget it. We'd be out on the track or out doing something, practicing or whatever, and you could hear my cousin Charlotte over anything. i mean, Robbie! Come on, Robbie! Get hit, Robbie! Robbie, get that ground ball, throw it home! Robbie, Robbie, throw it home! it would be like, wow. <coughs> that even hurts my voice now. It was, it was awesome. You know, and at the time, now, we teased him, you know, because your mom never stops. And, but the whole thing was that she loved him. She loved him, and there was no doubt who she was there for, right? There was no question about who she was voting for, right? She left it all on the bleachers, if you know what I'm saying. Like, she left the game sounding like this. Like, she had spent herself cheering for her son. Now I'll be honest with you. I grew up not having my parents didn't do that. Like they they did not show up and they did not go crazy in the side on the, in the bleachers. And so honestly, I was a little jealous. I'll be honest with you. I was a little. I didn't let him know that. You know, I I was and because I, I didn't understand. Like she can be that crazy about her kid. You know, this is like ridiculous. Until I had one of my own, and I'll never forget. My son played. and He was kindergarten. I don't know how old he was. He was like a little thing and playing flag football and he scored a touchdown and I lost my ever-loving mind. I did. I was, and I thought to myself after the fact, I was like, where did that come from? Like, he doesn't even know what a touchdown is. He could care less, but you are out of your mind. You need to, like, but you can't help it. It's hard to, you can't contain that, right? When you love somebody and something good happens or you you, want it, like, you can't, like, stuff that down. Like, you, you can, but eventually it's just going to explode, right? I don't think it's good to hold that in because that encouragement, that, that positive talk into a kid's life is great, into anyone's life. Let's be honest. Anyone who you love needs to hear that again and again and again. You need to hear that again and again and again. And that's the message we get from Hosea is a message of love again and again and again. Hosea was a prophet in northern Israel. Uh, the north and the south of Israel, you know, the, the, the south, Judah, was one tribe. The north were the were the ten tribes of Judah, and they were a mess. They were dysfunctional as all get out. They were just, yeah, their kings were awful, and some was great, and some were awful, and it just kind of was a roller coaster. And Hosea was a prophet through four kings, so he saw a lot of this roller coaster of Politics, right? We're going to talk some more about the politics of it all in the coming weeks, but, but just know that, that Hosea was a prophet called by God into northern Israel who would eventually, northern Israel, which would eventually be scattered, destroyed, God said, where Judah, the south, would be the ones who would be redeemed, would be reclaimed, would eventually resettle Jerusalem. But the prophet Hosea, you can read a lot about this in First Second Kings. It kind of goes through all the, the kings and, and their exploits. But uh, Hosea was told by God to go and find a wife. Now, hey, hey, yeah, now, go and find a wife. But he didn't just tell him to go find any old wife. Nope. He said, Hosea, go find, well, let's see what he says. In verse 2, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman. And have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of the unfaithfulness to the Lord. This is kind of cleaned up version. He said, go and marry a prostitute. Go and marry a prostitute because that's what my life is like, he says. Because that's what it's like for me. Now, this wasn't normal back then. Like, people didn't marry, it may be a shocker, but no time in history have people just gone to marry prostitutes, they don't like when they men look for wives. It comes as a surprise. They don't look for prostitutes. Like that thought never comes to their mind. And so this was a shock back then too, just like it would be today. If one of you, everybody would go, "What? Like he married who? Right? That's just the way it is, especially for man of God." But the crazy thing is, while this, while the the shock of it all, he married him. What? God told him to do what? A question entered my mind, and it probably came to you too, is like, how did he know that was God's voice? Like, because well, that sounds crazy. How did he know that was God? So how do we know that God is speaking to us? I mean, this wasn't normal. Like, God didn't speak to everybody. God didn't, certainly didn't tell people to go marry prostitutes. Like, this, like how did he know that was God? Maybe you're hearing God speak to you maybe you feel like maybe you don't hear it audibly like a voice like my, mine but but still you you feel God calling you to serve in a new way or to be generous radically or to maybe go take a risk and enter into ministry as a as an all in activity of your life maybe it's to go and offer forgiveness to her because she doesn't even know what she did, hurt you. Or maybe it's to go and confront him about his sin because he doesn't know what he's doing is hurting people. Maybe God is speaking to you. Sometimes he sets off alarms. <laughs> Amen. How can we discern the voice of God? like Hosea did, I I believe the number one way, the number one easy, surefire way to know the voice of God is is what I'm hearing consistent with Scripture. Is what I'm hearing consistent with God's Word, His character, His nature? Is, Is what I'm, what I feel like God is putting on my heart, is it consistent with this? If it's not, it's not His voice. It might be it's a bad pizza. It might be that you're hungry. Fortunately, hang around. We've got something for you. But it's not God's word. It's not God speaking to you if it's in opposition to this. He doesn't oppose himself. It's what you're hearing in keeping with Scripture. You may say, well, no, how does that help me with Nehemiah? Because because doesn't the Bible say not to, to marry people like that? Like, what? Like, Yeah, maybe, okay, well, hear this, though. What was Hosea's job? He was a prophet. He was to call the people of God back to faithfulness. That's what he did. That's all he did. And here we have God asking him to not just deliver a message, but become a message. He's asking him to live out the message, to call the unfaithful. God is asking him to do something. So if you hear the voice of God and you are not sure if it's God asking you to do something or if it's that, you know, you had a bad pickle, ask yourself, is what I'm hearing in, in keeping with Scripture? Is it, in, is it in keeping with what God would call me to do? Convinced, Hosea was, that God was calling him. He heard it audibly. A Hosea, whose name signifies salvation, Right? Joshua, Jesus, Hosea, they're all kind of, they're all the same kind of name, right? That's what his name means. He goes to marry Gomer. (laughs) Yes, this book is not a marriage how-to book. It's not a selecting names for children book. It's not either one of those, right? No. But it is important to see here something of Hosea. Immediate obedience. As soon as he discerned that this was the voice of God, he went and did it. He didn't phone a friend, say, hey, I feel like God's calling me. No, he didn't do that. When he was convinced that it was the it was God, he went and did it. He didn't put a survey on Facebook to see what people thought. He didn't wait to make sure, to wait for a second sign. No. Because, to be honest with you, when, and you know it as well as I do, When when you feel like... God is asking you to do something, and you decide to wait. The last time you decided to wait, what happened? You probably talked yourself out of it. That, that's, and, then, and then you couldn't do it. The, the chance was gone. The door closed. The season was moved. That person, whatever, that person died. That person moved away. Whatever. Like, the opportunity was gone. You lost it because you, well, you didn't lose it. You squandered it. Right? You squandered it. You thought about it instead of doing something about it. Hosea, though, immediate obedience. He discerned God telling him to do it, and he went and did it. He didn't, he didn't stew on it. He didn't allow himself to get talked out of it. He obeyed God. So we have complete. Gomer, that's what her name means. Completion. And we have salvation. Get married. How about that? Complete salvation. They get married. And they start out in life with a lot of hope, just like every married couple starts out, right? Things are going to be great. And they were. First. First. But then over time... You know, day after day, a little mistake here, a little mistake there, and before you know it, Gomer is back out into her old life. Yeah, we knew this was going to happen, right? Because you—you don't marry a prostitute and you expect everything to turn out rosy. This isn't what was that movie with, uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, Pretty Woman. This isn't Pretty Woman. This is Gomer and Hosea, right? This <laughs> is. But you know, Hosea coming home in that she's going to be there. And when she wasn't there, I wonder what time she's going to be home tonight. night. When he laid in bed at night, wondering, is she okay? What's going on? Where is she? Who's she with? I hope she's okay. Night in and night out. I know that, it, Scripture doesn't tell us, but I know that he spent many hours in prayer asking God, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Because this is not, like I didn't Ask for this. Why, why did you put me in this? And God said, "Yeah, I know." Right. But then, the good news—they had a son. <laughs> I'm sure, in the, and it was his. You know, God told him it was his, this is your son. And I'm sure in that, he was like, "Okay, okay, this is going to change things. She's going to have a son, and, and she's going to like become a mom, and and, all, and she's going to stop doing all of that." And And things are really going to turn around here for us. And then God told him the name for his son, Jezreel. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you. Probably not. But if you were a Jew in that day, then you knew that that was the place where Jezebel had cut off the heads of God's prophets. She killed them all. That was the place, that was the place that that signified death. I mean, it was a bloody stain on the memory of every Israelite. They they knew what Jezreel was. So when you name your child that, there's no doubt. You know what's going on. See, God was making a proclamation here about his relationship with the people. That I know what you're up to. That there's judgment coming. Jezreel is coming. It, one writer I read this week said, that it would be like a Jew today naming their child Dachau. Like you just wouldn't do that. Like, why would you dredge up that memory of murder, violence, of a prison camp? Like just at a by naming your child that. You know, so you can just imagine. At the mall, at the food court. Hey Jezreel! Like, what? I'm not going to scream that out. Everybody's going to turn and look like, what are you talking about? Are you at the soccer game? Get the ball, Jezreel. No, we don't Jezreel that. That's not like something we No, It's not a good memory. (coughs) And yet, that's what God had him name the son. God was using Hosea and his family to communicate a message. See, Hosea was becoming the message. The message of God. Hosea was starting to learn what it was like to be God, to love someone who didn't love you back. It's a powerful reminder to the people and to Hosea of what God dealt with on a daily basis. Then Gomer comes home one day and says, Hey, Hosea, guess what? I'm pregnant. And I know he was... This one ain't yours. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen, right? (laughs) Come on, you marry a prostitute. What do you expect? Of course that's going to happen. She's unfaithful. Of course. Does she even know whose it is? Probably not. It's a girl. And God tells him, call her Lo-Ruhamah which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel. Or that I should all forgive them. He's letting his anger be known. Hosea knows that that's not his daughter. So how can he love her? It's the same thing that God is dealing with for people that don't love him. That have worshipped other gods. And if you're not clear... That God is communicating this, this message through Hosea and his family. Well, they have another child. His name they call Lo-Ami. I believe is how you pronounce it, which means not my people. <laughs> Imagine that. My name, my child, that's not my son. For you are not my people, and I am not your God, the Lord says. See, Hosea is living out God's experience with the nation of Israel. Hosea is living it out. God is showing everyone through Hosea's family that that sin has not gone unnoticed. He's he's telling Gomer that I know what you're doing. You're not hiding it. He's telling the whole the whole nation, everybody, that I know what you're doing. And then chapter two begins to walk through all the the ways that uh, Hosea deals with the infidelity of his wife and. God deals with the infidelity of his people. It's how it describes how she goes back to her suitors looking for the gifts that they bring to her. The wealth, the jewelry, the food, the, the parties, the life that she had outside of Hosea. How it's so good for her. And it talks it compares that actuality to the life the Israelites have, the the fact that they worshipped gods of the surrounding countries in order to experience God's blessing of food, of safety, of wealth. They did the same thing. They worshipped other gods just as he had. And now they're hearing, not my people, no mercy, no love. And then it happened. Just what you thought would eventually happen, you're wondering why it took so long. One night she doesn't come home. She doesn't come home at all. One day turns into two. Two turns into three. Three into seven, we guess. And Hosea just figures okay, I guess this is just me and the kids from here on in. Wonder how long it's going to take to get used to this new routine. And just then, in the middle of his pity party, right, God speaks. God speaks a powerful word. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, which is just a, a form of worship, a part of the worship of the other gods. He says, go and get her. Go find her. Now, where do you go to find a prostitute? Well, yeah, if she's your wife or not, it doesn't matter. They're going to be in the same place, right? It doesn't matter if they're married prostitutes or single prostitutes. They're going to be in the same location. So you can just imagine Hosea walking down the street asking, hey, have you seen my wife, Gomer? Hoping that nobody says, oh, yeah. And at the same time, hoping that somebody does say, oh, yeah. I didn't know. Right? It's... We're, he doesn't explain. Jose doesn't ex- lay out all the details, but we kind of get ideas about what's going on. Apparently, she has been taken in or seduced in to being a, a sex slave. Right? She's on the auction block. That's where Jose finally finds her. Literally being auctioned. His wife, the one he loves, the one he loves, is being auctioned as a slave for for her sex. And so, what does he do? and buy her, right? And so he does with 15 pieces of silver and some barley, which doesn't sound like much, and it's not. But then again, she was kind of used up. She was not worth much. Unless you're Hosea. Unless you're God. Then your worth is great. You don't care the price. And that's where we find Hosea to to tell her. And that's what he tells us. And this is actually a window into the future in verse 5 of chapter 3. But afterward, the people return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, singular, their king. Their king, Jesus, is what Hosea is talking about. It's like at some time, they are gonna, they're going to return to their king. There's only one. Their king, Jesus. It's a statement that eventually they will love Jesus. Eventually they will return. That God is doing this. It doesn't matter how wrong they've been. It doesn't matter their sin. It doesn't matter their mistakes. He loves because he loves. It's what he does. I often got to I got to thinking, how often do we consider this? The love of God. Like, yeah, I know God loves me, right? I mean, I yeah, got it. God loves me. But to consider that, to kind of sit in it for a minute. And just to consider what like the degree of God's love. I mean, how many of us know John 316? Somebody know? Yeah, come on. What is it? All right. So some of you know that you got that down pat. I bet you could do it again. Go ahead. Let me hear it one more time. Go ahead. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah, yeah on the screen too so yeah. <laughs> we know it but what does that verse say what does it what does that say like like do we spend any time do we just know that like it's a fact or do we know that like they were talking about knowing god like i know that he loves me like, like cuz i i'll be honest i know that verse and and I oftentimes i don't think much about that verse I don't think of it but that verse is the craziest statement of love that's ever been made that is crazy god so loved so that so is is huge it's powerful there's so much in it. so he's so loved that he gave means he let his son die for those who could care less so much so much that so is about chasing after people who are running away from him. That so much is about is about him forgiving people who do it again and again and again. That so much is about being spit on, punched, whipped, beaten, murdered. That so much is huge. Or we just read it. God so loved the world that he gave us, you know, we're like, that so is big. It's big. Let's chase down a prostitute big. He loved the world so much. The world. We, we think of the, when he, God loved the world that we think about, it. he loved the church, right? We think, he, of course he loves us. I mean, look at us. We're great, right? No, no, no. He loved the world. He loved those people that, that don't forgive. I love those people that don't, that aren't generous. Those people that hear his call and say, no, I'm sitting this one out. God, God so loved the world, the people that, that disrespect each other, that, that take advantage of each other. He loved those people. Get down to it, Gomer in the story is you and me. We're Gomer in the story. We're the ones that God loves, so loved. We are. I mean, we don't want to think of ourselves as the ones who seek other gods, but, but you know, Scripture uses a pretty powerful word, a very graphic word. He calls them whores, that they whore after gods of comfort. And we do as well, believing that we need a better life or a more comfortable retirement. And we whore after Safety. Believing that this life is all there is. And so we've got to protect it. And we whore after control. And so we kick back against anyone who shows authority over us. We're no different than Gomer in this story. We're whoring after gods just like, just like she was. Just like the nation of Israel. And what's God's message to the Gomers of the world? I love you. that's who i am i love you come back to me that's it that's his message i love you let me love you see hosea's message is just that god loves you because that's who he is that's good news that is the good news that god's love is based entirely not on my goodness not on your goodness but on his God loves because that's exactly who he is. In verse 20 of chapter 2, Hosea says these words, God spoke to him, he says, I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. And then in verse 23, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the ones I called not my loved one. I will say to those not my people, you are my people. And they will say, "You are my God. You are my God." See, it's God's love that changes us. It's God's love, and we call it it's this churchy word called grace—undeserved favor. It's it's love that you didn't earn that He gave it to you. That's that's the main takeaway for Hosea. Is that God loves you? See, God's accounting is different from ours. We believe that if we're if we don't get in too much trouble, that that we're going to that God's going to make it that we'll be happy or, or if we don't if we don't make too many mistakes that God'll let us into heaven you know like if i can do just enough then then i'll be okay and god says no god says no that's not that's that's not the gospel at all to be good and god will bless you that's not it at all it's antithetical to the gospel Again and again in this passage that we read, God says, I will redeem you. I will take you back. I will love you. God is saying, I, I, I. God says, I'm doing these things. Not you. I'm doing this. I'm changing you. You're not changing yourself. God doesn't love you because of what you are. God doesn't love you because of what you've done. He loves you in spite of it. In spite of what you are. In spite of what you've done. He loves you. It's a hard lesson to learn for us to, like, really make it our lives. But I'll tell you this, when you get grace, when you understand grace, that it's it's nothing you can do, that there's only one response to grace, and it changes everything about your life. There's only one response to grace, and that is to love it back. It's to love it back. When someone loves you, no matter what, just as you are, how can you respond to that? There's nothing you can there's nothing I can do? No. There's nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. Really? Nope. What, what's the response to that? It's to say, well, all right, knock yourself out. You know, it's okay. Then get to it. Then get, come on, love me. Right? That's, that's our only response. It's to surrender to it. That's the response I hope we all have. Hosea, he also writes to somebody else here today, somebody who's tired, somebody who's like Gomer, maybe a little more uh, explicitly, maybe you, maybe you prayed a prayer, you've gone through confirmation at some point, but, but today you're not that close to God, as a matter of fact you feel pretty far away, maybe you feel alone beaten down, wore out. You've consistently chosen to sin instead of God, seek God in your life. You don't have a lot to offer, honestly. You don't have much money. You're getting old. You're on the downhill side of life. Like, what's the point? Like, right? Like, I don't have a whole lot to offer God. Maybe that's your experience today. And I want to say that just like God sent Hosea, salvation to find Gomer, God has sent you here today. God has sent you here today that you would experience grace, that you'd, you'd hear about it, You'd know that his love is there, that he is actually with you, that you can't get so far away from God that he's not there. Like you can run, but when you stop running, you'll find out that he's right there where you stopped. And he was all with you all along the way. God is right where you are, waiting for you to respond to the love that he's offered. Got his hand out offering you love and just waiting for us to take it. Take his hand. Waiting for you to trust him. Waiting for you to see what it means to be loved by God like no other. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for loving us like no other. We thank you for never giving up on us, for telling a love story through the life of a man and his wife and his children, God, this is a little shocking, disturbing. God, is so true of your love for us. Thank you, God, that you would take the time to speak to us, to encourage us, to, to equip us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to share in Holy Communion today. Uh, you may say, "Didn't we just do this last week?" Yes. Uh, let me explain why. Uh, a few weeks ago, your church and Rom Chapel Church agreed to begin to pray and discern where God was leading you as a, as two churches, maybe together, maybe different than it looks now. Don't know. We're gonna we're seeking God's face in this. And so I ask that that we would, when we gather together as a community of believers, that we would seek God's Engagement in this process, right? Uh, so, there's no more clear way to experience God's grace in the life of community together than in Holy Communion. Uh, so, for the next several weeks—I don't know how long, uh, maybe months—who knows—we're uh, going to share in Holy Communion every week, uh, just as a way to connect with God. Uh, you may say, "Well, that's going to make us getting out of here late." Well, we'll do our closing song during Communion. So, you may say, "Well, aren't we singing after?" Well, we understand time and everything else, so uh, so that's going to be kind of the, the rhythm for the next several weeks. We'll do an offering earlier in the service, and we'll do a closing song during communion at the end, all right? Um, but just know that the reason for it is to seek God's favor, to seek God's will, discernment as we move through this as a church. Uh, so that's why we're doing it every week, all right? We are going to use the responses that are in your hymnal. Um I believe they are in page 13. They'll also be on the screen. And I will use a lot of disinfectant on my hands. So, uh, And I'm going to invite some other folks to serve communion as well, so you don't have to worry about me infected in here. Uh, but if you would join me for the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Amen. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. Amen. Amen. It is right. And a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Created us in your image. Called us to be your representatives here on earth, Lord. Called us to love, to respond to your love, Lord. He called us to... Experience your grace and forgiveness. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, God, we praise your name today and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to us, your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and to death. You made a new covenant with us through the water of our baptism and your Holy Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to his Father in heaven for it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you gather in my name then when the supper was over, he poured a cup of wine. He took it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, every one of you. For this is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. He says, drink from this, every one of you. This is my blood offered for you freely freely that all may receive freely. So in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves and holy. mm, God, we offer ourselves as a holy sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord God, on these gifts of bread and of wine. Make them be for us, the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world. The body of Christ has been redeemed by his blood. Make us one with each other, one in ministry to the whole world until Christ returns in final victory and we feast with him at his heavenly banquet. We pray all this through your son Jesus Christ and your holy church, empowered by your Holy Spirit, because God, you get all the glory now and forever. Amen. Now with the confidence of the children of God, I invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer as you best remember it today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.